Legends of Wasteland City is a post-apocalyptic anthology series and may contain references to drugs, sex, and violence, along with the occasional vulgarity. You've been warned. Dukes of the Nuke, The Ones Who Came Before, Chapter 3. Hello? Who are you? Mutt stood there frozen, his mind racing. Was this a guard for the radio tower? If it was, why were they locked inside? The voice couldn't have come from a full-grown man. It had to be a girl or a child. Hey, let me out of here, you bloodback bastards. Mutt started to put it together. Hello? Hey, who's there? Hey, keep it down. My name's Mutt. I'm not one of them. Can you get me out of here? They're going to kill me. You must be the girl they were talking about. The one who tried to kill the leader? Yeah, it didn't quite go as planned. Can you get me out? It's locked. I can't get it open. It's too rusted for my picks. Do you know where the key is? No, I don't. One of the bloodbacks must have it. Damn. What about a file or some bolt cutters? Uh, bolt cutters? Yeah. Uh, I saw a pair in the main building of the motel, but it's probably guarded. That's where Zealot stays. Okay, it's worth a shot. Tell me exactly where you saw it. I will, but you've got to promise to take me with you. I will. I promise. She told him which door to the main building of the motel to use, not the front that faced east. It would be guarded, even now while the rest of camp slept off the bender from last night. But there was a side door that was mostly ignored. It would be locked, but hopefully not rusted like this padlock. Mutt could enter through there and follow the hall to the right. The second or third door on his left was a closet where they held her for a few hours the night she got caught. They had tied her up to a chair and threatened to cut off her fingers with the bolt cutters, amongst other things. Once he had a good understanding on where to go, Mutt headed out into the shadows. The motel was west of the tower and across the main road that branched through this service exit. He crept back past the tents, hearing the same chorus of snoring from the raiders inside, then back to the building where the fat man had defiled the ground with his boozy urine. From this same spot where he almost got caught, he could see the dead man lying on the ground, and past him the hill that would lead him back to the duke's camp. He suddenly felt in over his head, and looking at the dead man he knew that this could be his same fate. He contemplated getting the hell out of here while he could, maybe talking Warchief Grimm into bartering for the girl, or more likely, bringing the dukes in on force and taking out these raiders for good. But there were too many, and who knew how long she had before they decided to kill her one digit and one limb at a time. No, he had made a promise, and he wasn't going to run scared. He crossed between the buildings, exposing himself to the full light of the moon, which already seemed to be slipping deeper toward the horizon, along with the faintest hint of the rising sun on the other side. He would have to make this quick, even with most of the camp still sleeping off the celebrations from earlier, once the sun hit those tents, it wouldn't be long until at least some of them woke up from the brain-melting heat. Passing along another smaller building, Mutt could see the old motel ahead, across the crumbling road that connected the freeway to this group of service buildings. The main structure of the motel was a two-story brick building with half its roof caving in. On the side facing him in the street, Mutt saw the motel lobby entrance along with two guards sitting on either side of the doorway. If they were awake, they sure didn't look like it, as they were both sitting like slumped statues in their chairs. Still, he was glad there was another entrance. Slipping past these two, even if they were asleep, was not his idea of a good time. Mutt walked up the hill that led to where a bridge used to go over the old freeway, 
which had long fallen to time and neglect and now laid across the highway in large chunks of broken concrete. Going around this far got Mutt some distance between him and the sleeping giants before crossing, so he could then approach the building from its flank on the side where the back entrance door was, rather than crossing head-on. He had to make his way through some grass on this route, though, and even the soft crunch of the yellow grass beneath his feet sounded like thunder to him. But as he got closer to the building, there was an old parking lot. The asphalt was cracked and broken like the road, but it would make for a much quieter approach. Mutt ducked behind a couple burned-out car bodies, more remnants from the world that was left behind. The older members of his tribe would tell Mutt about the old world, stories told secondhand from their parents and grandparents. As far as he knew, though, there wasn't anyone left alive in this world that remembered it firsthand. But Mutt often dreamed about a time where you could drive freely across the continent, maybe back to the East Coast where he heard some level of government still existed, or buy fresh food from one of the millions of shops that dotted the landscape, or some new clothes from the apartment store. Mutt crept up the last few steps to the door, getting his lockpicks out, now down by one hook. That wouldn't be a problem, though he had a few. He did a quick test of the knob to verify it was indeed locked, and he got to work, inserting the tensioner and then a new hook. He found the first pin, set, the second, set, the third, fourth, fifth, just as fast. He felt the satisfying release of the tensioner and felt the rush of excitement and pride that came over him every time he busted a lock. You'll feel that every time. Mongo had told him, and so far, he'd been right. Mutt opened the door slowly. It creaked as it turned on its old rusty hinges. A little cow fat would help stop the creaking. And the rust. He had a good habit of trying to fix things, but right now he was just wishing the door would be silent. He was maybe 40 or 50 feet from those sleeping goons and did not want to invite them over. He gently pushed the door open, just enough to fit his slender body through, then closed the door behind him, enough to look secure but just a blade's width away from clicking shut in case he needed a fast exit. It was dark inside with the door closed. There were no windows on this side of the building, and the only light came from where the long hallway met the main entrance at the front. Better for sneaking, anyway. Mutt slowly made his way down the hall, counting the doors on his left. One. Two. He turned the knob of the second door and opened it slowly, peeking in through the first inch. There were a few small candles burning, and Mutt could get a good look around from a small vantage point. And what he saw made him very much regret opening that door. This wasn't a closet. It was a large room, filled with cots, mats, and makeshift beds, each one holding a sleeping bloodbag. Mutt could smell the musky stink emanating from the horde of sleeping men and women through the gap in the door. It was a mix of sweat, blood, and death. Almost gagging, Mutt slowly pushed the door closed and released the knob. It made only the slightest clink as it settled into place. Mutt held his breath. From behind the door, Mutt heard the distinct sound of a fucking dog. Mutt turned back down the hall, sliding his hand along the rough wall until he hit the next door jam. He could see a faint sign on the door reading, Storage. Why hadn't he thought to look before opening that damn door? The dog was growling with each breath just behind the second door that Mutt had just opened. He's gonna wake up the whole room, Mutt thought, opening the closet door and slipping inside. Just then he had a thought. Oh, please, tell me I didn't leave it behind. 
He reached into the cargo pocket of his camouflage pants and felt the rest of his MRE pouch. He grabbed the beef sticks he'd been saving. These were his favorite, but maybe right now, they were his only chance. He quickly unwrapped the pouch, opened the door, and threw one of the sticks down the hall, back toward the sound of the growling dog. What the fuck is it, dog? A muffled, grumbling voice said in the next room. Damn. Mutt closed the door to a pitch black room. He quickly reached down and grabbed his lighter. It was, of course, still very much out of fuel, but he could use the spark to get his bearings. He pulled the small flint wheel, and the room lit up for a split second in front of him. It was a small room, but bigger than a regular closet, maybe eight feet wide and a little bit deeper. There were two rows of shelves on either side full of all sorts of supplies and a single chair in the middle of the room. Well, at least I'm in the right place. He thought. The chair must be where they had the girl tied down. One more spark of the lighter and Mutt could see a couple oil barrels in the far left corner, with maybe enough room for him to slip behind. He heard the door down the hall open and the sound of the growling dog get a touch louder. You better not be wrong again, you damn Mutt. He heard in that growly, but now less muffled voice. Mutt made his way through the room using just his hands and his memory from the lighter spark. His right hand found the chair, then another two steps and his left hand found the barrels. He cupped the lighter for one more spark, this time facing the light into the corner just to make sure there wasn't anything he could knock over and give away his location. It was clear. He shimmed his way behind the barrels and tried to quiet his breath. From the silence of his hiding spot, he heard the dog moving around the hallway, sniffing back and forth. All right, what is it? Came the growly voice. He heard the man's boots follow the dog a few steps down the hall. Holy shit, you found some food? Give it here. I said give it to me. Mutt heard the sound of a fist hitting something bony, and the dog let out a sad yelp. <laughs> Asshole. Thanks for the snack. He heard the heavy boots walk back down the hall, the second door open and close. Then silence for a moment, before he heard the sound of dog paws pacing back and forth. Damn, he left the dog in the hole. First things first, find the bolt cutters, then find a way around the dog. Mutt thought. He slowly stood up from behind the barrels, trying his best to be quieter than that dead man lying under the moonlight. Centering himself in the room by feeling out the chair, he pulled up the lighter. Facing it to one side of the room, he pulled the flint wheel, taking a mental note of everything on the shelves. He could see some cans, maybe food, maybe oil. There were a few tools, mostly just a bunch of junk, but no bolt cutters. Turning to the other side, he did the same, pull the wheel and take a picture in his mind, then search through the picture. Once again, he came up short. What if the girl was wrong? I'd be trapped in this room for nothing. He thought, turning to face the door he came in, pulling the flint one last time. The spark illuminated the doorway and the walls on either side, and there leaned up against the wall, with one of its arms wedged against the door jamb, were the bolt cutters. Thank the ones. Now to just get out of here. He stepped through the dark and carefully grabbed the bolt cutters. His right hand put away the lighter into his pocket and replaced it with another meat stick. Crouched by the door now, Mutt broke the meat stick into a few pieces, and through the small opening at the bottom of the doorway, he pushed a small piece. The dog didn't respond right away, so Mutt let out a small whistle and pushed another piece out, this time making a little bit more noise doing it. It was all or nothing at this point. Either he made quick friends with this dog, or he got caught. Now or later, it wouldn't matter. This time the dog heard him and walked over to the door sniffing. Mutt heard him find and gulp down the first two pieces of dried meat. Then the dog came sniffing at the bottom opening of the door. Mutt broke off another small piece and slid it under the door. He heard the dog back off, like it was spooked. 
but then it found the meat and ate it up. Mutt held another piece under the door. The dog's nose met his fingertips and he pulled back the small piece just out of the dog's reach. He slid it to the side of the door, and with his left hand he slowly turned the doorknob and cracked the door open just enough to give the dog its treat. From here, Mutt could see the hungry canine. He was definitely smaller than he sounded through the door. Maybe a cattle dog, a lab, or some kind of terrier. Perhaps a little bit of each. Hey, you're just a mutt, like me. Mutt opened the door and stood up with the last piece of the meat stick in his hand and grabbed the bolt cutters. He held the meat stick out but in a closed fist and he made his way down the hall to the door where he came in. The dog followed him with his nose right up to the closed hand. Mutt made it past the second door and the small army of raiders that slept inside. And reaching the exterior door where he came in, he opened it just enough for himself to slip out and left the dog inside. He flipped the last piece of meat back into the hallway and the dog happily charged after it. Mutt closed the door. Good boy. He whispered as the door clicked shut. Bolt cutters proudly in hand, Mutt made his way back across the camp. He took the same route on his return trip across the parking lot and the burned out cars, through the dry grass in the next lot, across the road, and back into the shadows of the old buildings. It was getting much brighter now and Mutt knew he wouldn't have much time before the first of the raiders started to wake up, and this time they'll be a bit more alert than the fat man was. The shadows had shifted from one side of the buildings to the other in the main path of the camp, so Mutt took a new route across from the tents with the snoring sleepers and cut across the dirt to the radio tower. He was being less stealthy on this run, but he was also running out of time. Inside the chain-link fence, Mutt slowed his pace as he got to the metal door with the rusted lock. Hey, you still in there? What a dumb question, he thought. For a minute I thought you left. What took you so long? I'll tell you later. Let's get you out of here. Mutt brought the bolt cutters up to the lock and lodged the hoop of the lock between the jaws of the bolt cutters and squeezed the handles. It took all of his strength, but the cutters did their part and the lock snapped with a loud metal pop. He held his breath to listen in case anyone heard it, but there was only silence. He grabbed the lock off and pulled the door open. The girl was standing there. She was smaller than him, but maybe a few years older. She had dark hair that hung down over her shoulders with a lighter patch that fell over her right eye. Her clothes looked like a man's, overalls and a t-shirt that looked like it was more patches than actual shirt. Her face was cut and bruised in several places, and her left eye was black and blue, almost swollen shut. But even with all of her wounds, Mutt thought she looked very pretty. They really did a number on you, didn't they? I'm fine. Let's go. She said, almost pushing him through the door. No, I need something first. Maybe you've seen it? It should be in here. Mutt pushed past her into the small radio room. There was equipment on the right and back walls and storage shelves on the left filled with dusty plastic bins. What are you looking for? We gotta get out of here. They'll wake up soon and then we'll both be dead. The girl beckoned him out the door. Uh, uh, vacuum tube. Mutt stammered while going box to box. Second shelf, on the right side. She pointed to a small blue plastic bin. Mutt grabbed the bin, pulled the cover off, and found several vacuum tubes inside. A few different sizes even, along with some other components he didn't recognize. One of these tubes would have to work. He put the cover back on, tucked the whole bin under his arm, and headed out the door. Hey! What are you doing? He looked up, and standing at the opening of the chain-link fence was a very large bloodback, with a red scarf around his chest.
The Ones Who Came Before was written by me, Mike Makeshift Darling. Narrated and directed by Makeshift. Mutt was played by Sean Cunningham. The Girl was played by Mallory Turnell. The Very Large Bloodback was played by Chad Mongo Hanna. And The Sleepy Bloodback was played by me, Makeshift. Legends of Wasteland City is a production of the Apocalypse Post. Stick around after the break for more info about today's episode. It's been a long time since you could just go down to your local drugstore and get yourself a brand new pocket-sized tube of lip-saving chapstick. If your lips have turned into crunchy sandstone like mine used to be, pick up a vial of Eli's Cat Oil Lip Balm. Every batch of Eli's Cat Oil Lip Balm comes from organic, free-range, wild-caught cats. And don't worry, these aren't your little cuddly kittens. They're the kind that would eat you for dinner if given half the chance. Eli's Cat Oil Lip Balm, cause it's all we got. In the wasteland, you no get radiation. Radiation get you. But you can build your tolerance with concentrated formulas today. Dr. Prepper Labs is developed concentrated formula therapy. We can help build up your tolerance to those pesky ionizing particles with gradual healthy doses of X-rays, gamma rays, and quasi-stable ionizing particle exposures. Dr. Prepper, your particle accelerator. Dr. Prepper may not be available in your area due to, well, even the most basic health regulations. But you can still get a Dr. Prepper propaganda poster in the Apocalypse Outpost merch store. Link in the show notes. Well, hello there, Survivors. Makeshift here. Thank you so much for listening once again. Our hero, Mutt, has been sidetracked and yet somehow has managed to skirt by several challenges so far to get a full box of vacuum tubes, which was his mission. But now he's got uh, a lot more going on. And also, I just love this image of him standing there with that box in his hand, looking out into this gated cube of death as one of the biggest bloodbacks. Well, one of the bulwarks, really. One of uh, one of Zealot's lieutenants is blocking his exit. We're going to find out in the next episode exactly whether he can talk his way out of this one. I think that's a fair way to put it. But uh, yeah, tune into the next episode because they're going to have to figure something out. And um, well, I think I think the way I think it might surprise you. I had a ton of fun producing this episode. There was a lot of new soundscape to develop. We had a dog for crying out loud. And kind of funny, that line that Mutt puts out there, oh, you're just a mutt like me, uh, was actually the original title for this short story, for this nine part story. Uh, and I ended up changing it because that was good for a certain point. That, that may have carried us for a certain storyline, but I feel like the ones who came before is alluding to the much bigger picture of what's going on here. Yeah, it just seemed a bit more appropriate, so I, well, I I guess titles don't really matter. I hope you're enjoying the story either way. Um, but yeah, just kind of a fun, fun thing. That was my, my temporary project name. What do they usually call it? I forget. Anyway, we keep getting more patrons joining the Patreon, and I appreciate you guys for jumping in there. Uh, it definitely helps to, you know, keep these episodes going, and we do still have that giveaway coming up. I don't know if we're going to hit 50. You know, I was hoping it would maybe happen a little bit faster. If you guys are thinking about it, just throw your throw your hand in there at a dollar. 
at the dollar mark. Don't don't even think don't even think about it. Just it's tops four dollars a month, and you can you can actually you could do a dollar a month, and that's all that it would take to uh, help us get to fifty. We may jump the gun on that fifty and do the drawing a little bit sooner because I know that Reliabil is very much looking forward to getting that bomb. Uh, in the mail and off to one of the patrons. So um, maybe next week I do have some traveling to do. But uh, if you've been paying attention to everything and are very excited about it, it's coming up really soon. So if you're not a patron yet and you want a chance to win this wonderful prize pack and some future prize packs, make sure you jump over to patreon.com slash the apocalypse post and dedicate your support in a monetary form to the show. <laughs> And also, we're going to be doing the koozie giveaway for probably the next several months. All you got to do is write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere they let you do reviews and, you know, leave us five stars or whatever the top marks are on that platform. Take a screenshot of it and send it over to theapocpost at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-A-P-O-C-P-O-S-T at gmail.com so send the screenshot and your address and i will send you one of our apocalypse post snap wrap koozies that take your modern looking soda or beer and turn it into a rusty soup can so that you can fit right into whatever wasteland atmosphere you happen to find yourself and we have a new voice actor to introduce this week. We have Chad Mongo Hanna. Mongo is, of course, one of the Dukes of the Nuke, and he played his own voice in that little memory sequence. It wasn't really a sequence, it was just a line. When he says, you'll feel it every time, when it comes to uh, successfully picking a lock. And that is a line he actually told me at Wasteland Weekend, what, 2018, 2019? When he taught me to pick locks for the first time. And um, I just thought that was really cool. That's a bit of real life there. Fun fact, he did not only play Mongo, he's also playing Butane, which is the giant bloodback that has snuck up on Mutt at the end of the story. He's got some more lines in the next episode as well, so stick around. And then, of course, he'll be playing a bunch of Mongo later on when we discover the Dukes of the Nuke Camp. I mean, if we discover. No spoilers. No spoilers. If we make it back to the Dukes of the Nuke Camp, it might happen. <laughs> oh, anyway, moving on. In real world news this week, the Wasteland Weekend 2022 tickets did go on sale. They did raise the price a little bit, and that's uh, I've been seeing quite a bit of controversy from that in the social media channels. Um, but ultimately, they did a tiered system once again this year, and the first tier is only, I think, $40 or $45 more than it was last year. So the price increase is actually fairly small, but when you start looking at all the real-world stuff going on out there, everything's more expensive, so that means it's more expensive for the guys putting on the festival as well so they're just trying to recoup some of that and i did i did happen to see a post somewhere where they talked about you know just how how close to the wire uh wasteland is every year and um how the choice comes down to raise prices or don't put on a festival and they they decide to um you know raise it as little as they can i think they are trying to keep it as reasonably priced as possible um but there is a whole lot of uh infrastructure and insurance and all the red tape with all the local government stuff that you know I don't like to get into and I don't I don't think anyone likes to get into but it's it's a fact of doing a festival like this and doing it legally and safe is it costs a lot of money and if that means that there's a few people that don't get to go well guess what there are other festivals around the country and a lot of them are a lot cheaper though a lot smaller and don't quite have all the pizzazz of wasteland weekend but you can find your own balance at one of the other festivals, whether it's that it's a little bit cheaper or you prefer a quieter, smaller event, 
um, that's a little bit more intimate and not quite as um, uh, festival-like. It can be more of like a camping trip with friends that just happens to be post-apocalyptic. Anyway, um, I hope you guys are finding whatever post-apocalypse excitement you want out in the world. Um, don't forget, there's also like random club nights that pop up all over the place, whether it's wasteland related or not. Um, you get to see that kind of stuff. There's like dystopian club nights and there's, I mean, EDM kind of tends to be a, a little dystopian anyway, right? But it's, uh, it can be super cyberpunk. The costumes are fun. Um, whatever you guys are into, I'd like to know what is your favorite local thing, especially if you're not in the LA area, you know, is, is there like a, like a Mad Max car meetup or... Is there a club night or a dance night or is there, you know, like a Comic-Con that's your thing? Tell me what you're into because I would love to uh, find out more about it myself. I've been listening to and reaching out to a lot of other podcast creators, especially the ones that are doing the format like this one about sharing ads so that we can share our audiences. So if you guys are listening to the show and you happen to hear about it on another show and that's why you're here giving us a shot, let me know. Uh, and tell me what show it came from. You can always drop a line at theapocpost at gmail.com or you can leave a comment at our Instagram at theapocalypsepost or, of course, uh, the Facebook group, which is where most people, I think, are tuning in, which is facebook.com slash theapocalypsepost. Basically, anywhere you're staying in touch with what we're doing here, uh, leave a comment there and just let me know how things are going. Also, there's, of course, the YouTube link, which I think most people are listening to the show on still is the YouTube, although it is getting quite popular on other platforms. Maybe that's just wishful thinking. I don't know. I did find out that we ranked at number five in Macedonia this week, which is pretty cool. That's in the science fiction category. And in the fiction category, we ranked number 43 in Macedonia. So I don't know any Macedonians, but if you're from Macedonia and you've been listening, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sure the market's a little bit smaller, so it might not take as many. Uh, and also, kind of crazy thing, um, in Russia, we just charted at number 137 in science fiction. So that's kind of cool. All right, listeners. Well, I don't have a whole lot to say this week. I'm a little bit late in getting this out to the Patreon site this week. Uh, I was just traveling this week and... Um, fell a little bit behind and actually i got the last of the lines for this week last night at about 3 a.m so we're we're kind of we're not ahead we're behind we're behind schedule um and things are only getting more complicated from here so um there's probably going to be a break next week but bear with me because we will be back as i just get get caught up and i also have to travel again for a wedding so i'll be down in new orleans if anyone's in new orleans let me know because i'd love to meet up with you and yeah, that's about it for this week, Wastelanders. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure that you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Leave a thumbs up or a rating if you can. And of course, if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. But if you hated it, share it with an enemy, along with a tasty snack right from the jaws of a hungry dog. I'll see you next time, survivors. Stay alive. Mm -hmm.